Welcome to Shape by Faith with your host, Teresa Rowe. To find out more about Shape by Faith and Teresa Rowe, please visit shapebyfaith.com or visit the YouTube channel, Facebook, or Instagram. And now, here is Teresa Rowe. Welcome to Shape by Faith, where we shape our bodies and hearts for God's purposes. My guest today is bestseller Kelly Irvin. She's the author of over 30 books. She's from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, she's written Amish romance, romantic suspense, and women's fiction. Kelly's an award-winning novelist, and she worked as a newspaper reporter before spending more than 20 years. That's a long time in public relations. Kelly now writes fiction full-time, and she's going to talk about that today. Her recent book that launched this week, just this week. It's called The Year of Goodbyes and Hellos. Um, and I cannot wait to hear about it. Kelly says it was one of the hardest stories she has ever written. Welcome to Shape by Faith, Kelly. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I, I can't wait for you to share your story, what God has done, what he continues to do. So let's just get into your story. Um before your cancer diagnosis, you were diagnosed with primary lateral sclerosis in 2015. Is that correct? Yes, at the time, that's what they thought it was. And actually, um, later when I was diagnosed with cancer, the focus uh, moved to perineoplastic syndrome, which is basically uh, the immune system attacking the central nervous system and trying to fight the cancer. So the, the Symptoms are very, very similar. So it just took a period of watching and waiting to see uh, which it was going to be. Wow. Okay. So then in 2016, you were diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Um, it was um, actually, I had the the PLS uh, uh diagnosis in December of 2015 and stage four ovarian cancer in January of 2016. So it was, you know, just came one after another and it was just an overwhelmingly difficult uh, season in my life. I had always been extremely healthy up to that point. I went to the doctor once a year for my pelvic and pap smear and that sort of thing. And uh, really didn't give my health uh, a lot of thought until I uh, discovered that I was having trouble lifting my feet. That's how it started. I was having difficulty doing aerobics that I had been doing for years. I was a very active person. And then suddenly I couldn't pick up my feet to do those uh, aerobic dance moves that I had been doing. Um, wow. So it was quite a quite a shock. So does that go along with the diagnosis of ovarian cancer? Like losing um, your mobility. Well, and that—that's the issue. Is that you know PLS is uh, diagnosed by the process of elimination, much in the same way that ALS is. And so they—they uh, based on my symptoms thought that's what it was. Mm -hmm. But with that diagnosis of cancer, they um, explained to me that there's also uh, something called perineoplastic syndrome that happens uh, to your nervous system when you have cancer and your immune system can't handle it. So, you know, the, I had trouble lifting my feet. I had pain in my hands and my uh, feet. I uh, had pain in my neck. And unfortunately, it's one of those things that's very difficult to diagnose. So they sent me to a neurosurgeon who decided that it was 
caused by my scoliosis and he did back surgery and uh, I had titanium rods and it was another year uh, before I was diagnosed with the motor neuron disease. Uh, So, and that's quite common with people who have ALS Mm -hmm. that it takes a long time for them to focus on what the actual problem is and people get sent to various different specialists until finally they hit on the neurologist who recognizes what it is. Oh, wow. Okay. So you were doing everything right up to this point. You were, you said you were doing exercise, you were doing aerobics, yes. most likely you were eating healthy yep. most of the time. Um, you didn't think a thing about it. So obviously this health diagnosis had to shake your faith. It was very difficult. And some people are surprised that um, it was actually the loss of my mobility that was more difficult for me to accept because mm-hmm. I was such an active person. And I just, um, you know, I, I was, I went to church, I did mission work, I, I was, I had a strong Sunday school class, I had all those things, but it, wasn't a, a test of faith that had been tested, uh, certainly not in this way. And I really, at a certain point, had to ask myself if I would really had faith, uh, or did I just was I just going through the motions? Because it was so very difficult for me to understand how, you know, in my mind, God could let this happen. Uh, and so I did go through a season where I really struggled with my uh, faith, uh, but uh, had some, you know, good, strong support, especially for my Sunday school class. And I remember my Sunday school teacher saying, you know, do you believe that God is good? And I said, yes. And she said, well, that hasn't changed. God doesn't change. He's still good in, in the season of, of trials. Um, you know, scripture says he can bring good from all things. Uh, so you have to, to accept that and, and live by it. And that's what I've been trying to do, you know, and here I am, uh, almost eight years later, uh, still here and still writing, and God is still good. Yes, He is still good. Wow, that's that's incredible. That is so good that you had that support system in your Sunday school. Um, I, I'm sure there's people out there that that go through things and they don't have that support system. Absolutely. And I don't know how they make it through. I but don't either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be so difficult, especially if you don't have that faith aspect there. But God God knew your story. He wrote it. Yeah. He, he knows it. So he knew what you needed. So, okay, Kelly, how in the world did you write more than 30 novels while you're going through cancer treatment? And, and maybe you want to answer that after you let us know what kind of treatments. I mean, I'll, I'll leave that up to you. Yeah. Well, I, I did, you know, I went through, uh, uh, surgery and chemotherapy. I was in, uh, what we would call remission, um, for a short period. And then it happened again. Now there was progression. I did their, uh, chemotherapy again, and it's gone on like that. Uh, once you have metastatic cancer, you're going to be in treatment for the rest of your life. Uh, and the, the statistics for ovarian cancer are pretty grim. Uh, stage four, um, it's something like 17% of women live past five years. Um, but and, and I was acutely aware of that. Um, and because of my health problems, I had to retire from my job. But that turned out to be the silver lining. It, it allowed me to fulfill my um, my lifelong dream of, of writing fiction full time. And for me, writing has been the 
key to uh, to everything. I just enjoy it so much. It gives me that reason to get up in the morning and persevere. And it's a joy. Um, people often wonder how I can continue to write, but I can't imagine what I would have done if I couldn't write, you know, if, if that wasn't my calling. And, the, the, you know, and I've ultimately come to recognize that, you know, thing, writing is a God gift, uh, gift and, and he has work for me to do. And I honestly believe that's the reason I'm still here, you know, long past what I jokingly call my expiration date. Mm. My husband doesn't think that's all that funny, but yes, okay. <laughs> um, I, I um, continue to write these books and ultimately it led to the writing of the book that we're going to talk about today. So, you know, uh, writing 30 books was um, everything that uh, held me together during this this long uh, season of medical uh, challenges. Well, that, that makes sense to me it, it, because it's, for one, God gave you that gifting. He placed that in you. Obviously, you know, he was preparing you for that anyway, being a newspaper reporter before mm -hmm. and also working in public relations. All those things kind of help, you know, in, in the field of writing. But um, for you to use that also, I'm going to say sort of like a stress reliever. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. When you say it brought you joy, like some people like to garden and that's a stress reliever. I choose exercise and that's my gifting as a stress reliever. So I think, uh, wow, God, uh, look what you, yeah. look what you did and look what you're continuing <laughs> to do. And yeah. it's just, you, you had to do it though, Kelly, you had to go to it. You had to do the work. You had to choose to say, yeah, I'm good. Yes, Lord. You know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it for your glory. And um, I think that's what separates a person from being in God's will and not being in his will, you know, just stepping up to the plate, doing the work that that needs to be done. Um, we're going to take a real quick break here. We'll be back with more Shape by Faith. Everyone stay tuned. Welcome back to Shape by Faith. My guest today is bestselling author Kelly Irvin and Kelly's new book. We're going to talk about that, The Year of Goodbyes and Hellos. Uh, so Kelly, you say writing this book um, was hard for you. Can you explain that? Yeah, um, actually, it, it was the hardest book I've ever written uh, in many respects, but also the easiest in one respect. And that is that I just started writing and writing and it just poured out. But the, you know, in order to write it, I had to go back to you know, the days of when I was diagnosed and what it was like to get that news that I had stage four ovarian cancer and the years that I went, I've continued to go through with CT scans and PET scans and lab draws and, you know, just continuous uh, challenges with the, the side effects and losing my hair twice. Uh, you know, people tend to think that's maybe not such a big deal, but for many women, including myself, it was a very big deal. Yes. Uh, but, you, you know, all the, the various uh, difficult side effects that you encounter with the various different chemotherapies, all of that, I had to draw upon it um, as basically my research for this book. Uh, you know, the, the main character is an oncologist. Uh, her sister is diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And so Kristen jumps off the career track to walk through the season with her sister uh, and to do all she has to do in terms of of um, treatment, and in order to do that, I had 
to use the knowledge that I had gained in this seven plus years of being in treatment to uh, tell the story. And it's not just the physical or medical aspects, but the emotional and spiritual um, havoc that, that that kind of uh, disease and treatment can, can do to you. And not just to the patient, but to the family. And, and in the case of this book, uh, the family has a lot of mending offenses that they have to do because the clock is ticking. And I understand that feeling of, you know, the clock is t- clanging in your head and how much are you going to be able to do and, you know, h- how much time are you going to be able to spend with family? All of those things uh, play a part in how the story unfolds in this book. And I, I think having been through it all and continuing to go through it is what makes this book so um difficult to to write, but I think also what it will touch people uh, who read it, who've had cancer, who've had family members of cancer, or who don't and need a better understanding of what it's like. So Kelly, did you write this book? For one, that would be hard to go back and revisit what you went through with your chemo and seven years in treatment and like you said, the family. I mean, it's not just mm-hmm. you; it's it's your entire family and people that know you. Did you feel that the information and and what you went through was so important that you needed to get out there in a story, or why did you write your book? Um, well, it, it, it there were several reasons. I think it's really important for women to stop and think about um, ovarian cancer because. A lot of women think when they go to the doctor uh, and get a pelvic and a pap smear that they're being screened for ovarian cancer and they're not. There is no screening tool. And that's why it's so deadly. It's almost uh, something like 77% of the time or more it's diagnosed in late stages uh, because the symptoms can be other things. Um, Things like uh, feeling full and bloated, having pelvic pain, not being able to eat, uh, just uh, things that um, might be more of a um, a stomach problem, basically. And so um, I wanted to get the message out to women to pay attention to their bodies and talk to their doctors and advocate for themselves and know that um, there are symptoms that you have to be aware of them and looking for them uh, because oftentimes doctors will just sort of dismiss it as IBS or some other uh, stomach problem that um, makes it so that eventually uh, it gets to the point where uh, you can't, it's too late. <laughs> and that's the what you want. To, uh, early detection is critical in any kind of cancer uh, and gynecological cancer uh Ovarian cancer is the most deadly of gynecological cancers because it's so often found in the later stages. Well, that was important. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Kelly. No, I was going to say it was important in that respect, but I think it's also important to um, to to explore the the spiritual uh, impacts of having a a terminal disease and how do we hang on to our, our our faith and how do we hang on to hope. And those are two really important threads that are woven into the story as well. 
That is so good. Let's circle back because I also want to address what you just said, the spiritual impact. Um, Let's circle back to the symptoms that you were mentioning. I mean, when you say feeling full pelvic pain, uh, maybe stomach upset, I mean, you think about that and you're like, ah, you kind of dismiss it because, you know, you're like, ah, that's, that's normal. Or you're told, oh, you've got PMS or IBS or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and Uh, I went through that with my heart. I had no clue. I had three holes in my heart. So yeah, I kept going back to the doctor saying something's off. Something's not right. Um, You have to be your own advocate. Even if, even if the doctor dismisses you, find another doctor, find another doctor, uh, find (laughs) someone who will listen to you because I went through this for over a year in Omaha, Nebraska. And you know, it, it wasn't good. No one was listening to me. They dismissed it. So for one, I think beer, women face that much more than men do. Yes, I, you know, I do. Uh, there's this, um, you know, fatigue, uh, back pain, pain during intercourse, um, bladder infections that, you know, women talk about these things and, and they're sort of dismissed as women problems. Right. <laughs> you know? You're so, right. So, um, how do they find it, Kelly? How do they find out? You say early detection is the key. So how yeah, well, does a doctor in, find that out? Yeah. Well, in in for in my case, I was going to an oncologist to to manage um, a, a series of uh, uh, mammograms that were irregular, okay. and so we were dealing with the potential for um, breast cancer. Um, but I, I was having all these neurological problems, and I saw a study that showed that sometimes cancer could result in neurological problems. I was telling my oncologist about it, and she said, well, let's just do a, a chest, because um, lung cancer is one of them. She said, we'll just do a chest, a chest um, uh, CT scan as a baseline. Well, that chest P, uh, CT scan showed um, pockets of uh, growth um, tumors in the lining of my lungs. Wow. Um, and so then I had a PET scan and that showed that it had originated in my um, ovaries. And that tells you how much it had spread before they found it. Um, mostly the, there's a blood test that can be done and then a, a, a pelvic ultrasound um, that can be done. Um, the, the blood test isn't very dependable. And so that's why they don't like to use it as a, a, as a marker. Um, but that's all there is at this point. So uh, you said a, a and, pelvic ultrasound, Kelly, as well? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, you can do, um, and, and then, you know, they can do CT scans and things like that. But by the time you get to a CT scan, then, you you know, it's, it's big enough for them to see it. It's not like, uh, you know, some cancers that you can, can find more quickly before it's full-blown. Um, and that's why I, I had some here uh, um, in 2023, they say that over 19,000 cases of ovarian cancer will be diagnosed in the United States. There will be 13,000 deaths from ovarian cancer. Oh, wow. It's the fifth leading cause of cancer deaths and um, 5% of all female cancer deaths. Um, so it's it's one of those things that we really have to advocate for ourselves, but also support research. Um you know, and that's one of the things that that I have to mention is that one of the reasons I'm still here is because I'm in uh, able to go to a phase one clinical trial clinic 
uh, where I'm in a clinical trial. It's in San Antonio. It's close by. And I am in a clinical trial that's working. Mm -hmm. Uh, So supporting research and being willing to get into clinical trials uh, to help that research is something that we, you know, we can all think about. That's good. Okay, let's take another break. We'll be right back with Kelly Irvin. Everyone stay tuned. Welcome back to Shape by Faith. Best-selling author Kelly Irvin is talking about her new book that came out this week, The Year of Goodbyes and Hello. So, Kelly, how will your book help others hang on to their faith in the face of adversity? I think a lot of it has to do with um, Sherry, the, the main character who has ovarian cancer and how she approaches it. She's a, a, a faithful believer. Uh, she's a school teacher. She has kids. Uh, she's uh, physically active. And this when this diagnosis comes down the pike, I, she, I, I'm pretty impressed with how well she handles it. A lot better than her sister, Kristen, who is an oncologist who, of course, knows a lot more about what Sherry's facing, but um, she uses Sherry uses as an opportunity to um, to mend uh, a broken relationship with their father uh, and to uh, spend time with her children and her grandchildren and, and to to mend a relationship with her ex husband and they're still very close and there's obviously a lot of love there and there's an opportunity for them to uh, to reconcile some of their past differences. And it also, Kristen is is not a a Christian and this this, uh, journey that she's on with her sister really helps her to reevaluate her priorities. She's been all about her career, even though she's two kids, she's neglected her marriage. She's estranged from her father. Um, And so all of those things come to a head as, as uh, she goes through this journey with uh, her sister. And I think the way she handles it and ultimately how she responds will uh, speak to readers because, you know, all of us are flawed and all of us have uh, these difficult uh, family situations that we need to deal with. And we keep putting it off because we think we have time. Well, it's not, that's not always the case. You're right. um, so we need to, to, uh, take a hard look at ourselves uh, before these kind of medical crises um, fall on our uh, fall into our lives. You know, that's so true. When, when, when someone's given a diagnosis, like, like you were given, I mean, um, and even with my heart going on the holes in the heart, you you figure out what's really important in your life, you know, and it's not what you're going to wear the next day or, you know, or you've got a blemish on your face. That those things don't matter at all. It it comes <laughs> down to spiritually speaking, our faith in Christ and family relationships. And and so that's so good that that uh, your book addresses mending family relationships. I think there's so many broken relationships out there, uh, you know, that need mending, and we need someone to take that first step. So how would need, you, oh, go ahead, Kelly. That's it. And we need to take a look at our priorities in terms of how we spend our time. You're right. You know, and the that's it. Of our, mm-hmm. uh, it's very, very difficult, especially for women who try to, uh, to try to be it all and do it all. Right. And how do we do that? How would you describe your book as a journey and reason to hope? Um, there's a reason to hope um, because uh, they're all things are possible in Christ and uh, he will 
be there with you uh, throughout the journey. Uh, he's holding your right hand and um, he's helping you to face whatever you have to face. You're not alone. I think that's, uh, you know, Sherry knows that and Kristen figures it out before <laughs> all things uh, come to pass. And uh, we just have to squarely uh, place our lives and our futures in the hands of uh, the one who loves us. Absolutely. Um, what do you want your readers to take away from your book? Uh, well, I, I think it's what we've been talking about, that nothing is more important than uh, being than shoring up your faith and knowing that it's strong and in times when you're going to need that strength. And nothing's more important than family uh, and being uh, uh, forgiving, uh, forgiving and uh, seeking forgiveness. Uh, nothing's more important than spending time with our children and our spouses and, um, you know, take care of your health, advocate for your health. Uh, those are all things that I think uh, messages that you'll find in, in uh, the year of goodbyes and hellos. That's so good. So Kelly, what's next for you? Do you have another book that you're writing? Um, well, I've, I'm still writing uh, Amish romances, um, but I am pivoting toward women's fiction, and I have another women's fiction project that I'm uh, getting ready to share with my publisher. And you know, and depending on how this book does, I, I'm hoping that th there will be more uh, women's fiction, and particularly dealing uh, this particular project that I'm working on deals with uh, how we deal with uh, disability physical disabilities, um, mm -hmm. especially as women uh, who are aging and how we're perceived by uh, society in the world. That's good. Now you write primarily for women. Is that correct? Um, you know, the, the romantic suspense books are written, uh, written by both uh, men, or I'm sorry, are read by both men and women. And mm -hmm. I do have a few uh, men who read the Amish romances. Uh, I think that there's room for men to read uh, this book uh, if you know they don't um, shy away from uh, it being called women's fiction, <laughs> correct? <laughs> well, and they can apply it to anything, Absolutely. you know. They, I mean, you can apply this to anything. So, Kelly, where do we find your newest book and your other books? Uh, it's available wherever books are sold online, and um, uh, I. Uh, urge people to check out my website at kellyirvin.com uh, for all three genres that I've been writing in. Uh, and there's lots of good information there. I, and I'm on uh, social media. You can find me on Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter X. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, and I'm just getting my feet wet in uh, TikTok, but that's a, a whole other topic. <laughs> yes, it is, isn't it? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Kelly, you were so enjoyable. Thank you so much. And thanks for giving us some amazing information about the symptoms of ovarian cancer and maybe some things that we can do to, to find out. And yeah. uh, we definitely want to purchase your book, The Year of Goodbyes and Hello. So thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you for listening, everyone. Have a good day. Blessings. Bye. Thank you for listening to Shape by Faith with Teresa Rowe. Remember to visit ShapeByFaith.com to find out more about workouts, the TV show, podcasts, blogs, Shape by Faith products, and much more.